Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. that make you immediately think of a movie. I think we all know that one's from Saturday Night Fever. You know, the uh, Bee Gees walked out of an interview one time. They got upset and just got up and called the uh, interviewer a... Well, he used a phrase that you're not actually supposed to use and just walked right off. It was pretty funny. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott. Uh, it's amazing how shows evolved during the course of a day, but uh, we opened up with um, the fact that it was Huey Lewis's birthday today and, you know, had the Power of Love song, obviously, from Back to the Future and got us into a conversation of uh, a song that immediately makes you think of a movie. So we're talking, you know, best songs from a soundtrack. And, man, we got lots of suggestions here. IMAC jumps aboard. He's he's putting in another vote in for uh, Don't You Forget About Me from the Breakfast Club uh, soundtrack. That's a, a a popular one out there. This is the second hour of Oilers now for World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, the River Cree Resort Casino. You know, excitement, bet on it, 780-496-0063, open 24-7-365. And for our friends at Wow Factor Desserts, help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at the new retail location, 3508 56th Avenue in Edmonton, or click wowfactordesserts.com. The former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning started Octagon's player agency, uh, worked in the media business for a number of years, and the number one pick in the 1983 NHL entry draft, Brian Lawton. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. I met Huey Lewis and uh, Glenn Fry one time after a game in L.A., believe it or not. See, Brian, you've had it. Let's see. Like, you you did an event once with Jesse the Body Ventura. Like, who's 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 the most famous? Like, I was at the Forum Club in '89, and Michael J. Fox was there. I was there with the Golden Bears, and Michael J. Fox. And he was very uh, kind with his time. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty. You know, I. Uh, Gord Downey from the Tragically Hip was on our plane one year. He was uh, with Kevin Lowe working on uh, Water Keepers. That was Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s uh, group as well. They were kind of all interconnected. But do you, do you have a brush with greatness that, that just trumps all that for you? I don't know. Like, 
like I'm I'm not that guy. So when it happens, I kind of laugh about it a little bit. Yeah. In in that particular case, I was at a a bar called Poncho's in L.A. and, and Glenn <laughs> came up was doing something that was considered illegal prior oh, to recently here. <laughs> this is getting better and better. <laughs> Keep going here. Oh yeah. And, and he was at the game, and he said, "I." He came up to me and said, "I think you guys are effing awesome." And I was with about five players, and they looked at me. Who the hell is that, Fox? I'm like, that's Glenn Fry and Huey Lewis. Are you guys crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was it. He sat and chatted, continued to do what he was doing, and had a drink. And uh, you know that stuff to me, I feel like. I've had an unusual life that way to meet people like that. It doesn't really mean anything. It makes for kind of a funny story, but uh, that, that's it. I don't know. I don't have any, you know, I used to see Prince around town quite a bit here. He was a strange guy, but pretty friendly to the local people, but I don't know. Doesn't mean anything. All right. Well, I, you, now you do know the Eagles wrote the song New Kid in Town. A lot of people think that song's written about Gene Carr who is a Western League player, that uh, big blonde kid that played for the Kings, and he became pals with Henley and Fry back in the day. And, like, we're going into the like mid-1970s Eagles here. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, I had a friend that literally used to have the Eagles come and play, interestingly enough, over the 4th of July. It was legendary here, and Glenn would always come. He'd bring other members of the band, hang out. I don't know what... This guy's name was Rick Bourne. I was just with him last night. Been a friend for nearly 30 years. And, uh, and, you know, these guys, at the end of the day, you know, I met 21 Savage last year at an event in L.A. for a Saw movie uh, two years ago, actually. And uh, these guys are just normal guys, no matter where they're from, no matter what you think their persona is. If you ever have a chance to spend a couple minutes privately with these guys, 21 Savage, a rapper from London, moved over here. You'd have a lot more in common than you'd know. Yeah. The conversation was delightful. I talked to Gord Downey about tree planting because he had a relative who planted yeah. trees. Like, he just, right. I told him, I said, you know what? We had kids from all over Canada. Like, you know, we had Quebec kids and BC, uh, you know, kids on the island. And they're different than the Alberta and Saskatchewan guys like me that were there to make money. Like, we were there to pound, right? Like, we wanted to make 300, 400 bucks a day while we were in university in the summer. And everybody had it. And we couldn't agree on anything. But the one thing we could agree on was that we all loved the Tragically Hip. And he looked right at me and said, like, and he goes, I got a cousin. He said the exact same thing. He used to plant trees. And he, you know, he had these kids from, you know, a school like Queens or Western. And then he had the guys from Bishops. And everybody agreed on the music. It's funny how it all goes down. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, Al Murray, was Al Murray hired after you left the Tampa Bay organization? He was. He was one of the first uh, people Steve hired. Jim Hammett had been running amateur scouting right. when I was there. Uh, Jim did the draft in L.A. the year Stevie took over. Um, I was let go in end of April, early May. And then Al was hired right after that draft um, and took, took over amateur scouting. They went with uh, Brett Connolly that year. I don't know why steven asked me a little bit about that before the draft i like jim i had nice things to say about him 
I don't know what happened from there, but they made a change to Al, who probably was just someone that Steve had gotten to know yeah. in his time in Detroit and Al with his time in Hockey Canada. And uh, Al did a heck of a job down there in Love Tampa. It. He really did. So we, no just doubt had, about it. we just had Frank on. Frank thought he might be making like $1 million as a head amateur scout, which has to be the highest in the league. So there was a change that's taken place with Julian Breezebaugh in Tampa Bay. So is he technically a free agent out there right now as a head scout, or what are you hearing on that? You know, it's interesting. He was being reassigned was the way it was explained to me by a member there. So I, I don't I don't really know, to be honest with you. A million dollars would by far be the highest paid guy on the amateur in the National Hockey League. That would be so far off the mark that, you know, I I had a friend that was making in the 400s working for Chicago, you know, when they were winning their championships on the amateur side, but uh, never heard of anybody anywhere near that. Now, Al's title has grown over time as Tampa stock has grown as an organization, but um, I'm perplexed as to what's actually going on there from some of the different reports I've had, to be honest with you, Bob. For Wow Factor Desserts, Brian Lawton, help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at their new retail location, 3508 56th Avenue in Edmonton, or click wowfactordesserts.com. So, Brian, um, when we had John last week, we talked as we closed in on free agency uh, about the, the potential of Edmonton maybe getting in on Nick Bukestad. I got to tell you, I was stunned at what Ochari got from the Penguins and a little bit surprised that Bukestad got, ended up getting $2 million a year times two. Ochari got three years times $2 million in Pittsburgh. Were you, were you a little bit surprised by those numbers, or did that kind of make sense to you? I was very surprised by it. I'll be honest with you. You know, you had this really unique dynamic this year when you had some teams like Arizona I mean, who wasn't surprised that Corey Perry got $4 million or Nick Foligno? But, you know, those teams, obviously they drafted Connor Bedard and Chicago was excited about it. They want to get some veteran players in. But there's also another dynamic where teams are not going to be necessarily as competitive this year in terms of the cycle they're in. So they're rebuilding in Chicago and uh, they had money to spend. They just got rid of. When you think about it, between Kane and Taves, uh, $21 million a cap space. So all of a sudden you found some teams that are flush, even though they're rebuilding, going through that process, they still have to get to the floor. That's 61 plus million. Uh, and a lot of guys were benefactors. Nick Bukestad, I, I felt, got a premium based off of that. I, in a normal year, his market value if you looked at the totality of his career, probably would have been around one and a half max. So good for him. He's a great kid. He did have 17 goals last year, um, and they know him and like him. It worked out well for him. I could say the same about Achari, real, you know, old-school player, have, plays a heavy game, uh, not the tallest guy, but, you know, over 200 pounds, and he got a premium as well, so good for them. What was your take on Lou Lamarillo late in the day on July 1st with those, you know, long-term extensions that ended up going to Pierre Engvall? You know, I consider, I don't pay for role players. I don't term role players. Let's rephrase that. I mean, Engvall got seven years at $3 bucks. Uh, 
Mayfield's a good defenseman, but he got a long-term deal. They signed both goaltenders. I mean, obviously, Sorokin's a world-class guardian, maybe top five in the league, but Varlamov got, you know, four more years. I mean, Lou, Lou's got all these guys tied up, and realistically here, the man's in his 80s. He's a, he's a solid executive. He's a wonderful story, but I was a little bit surprised about that. What about you, Brian? I definitely was surprised. I mean, Lou's a genius. Lou's been at this game so long. I believe Lou's 81 now. He's going to be 82 in October. I've known him since I was a kid. His energy is as good as anybody. He's still sharp as a tack. Um, and one thing about Lou, because I've asked him these questions in the past, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? If he makes a determination that it's something he needs, he just does it. And... I asked him one time how he figured out value, price, et cetera, whether it be a trade or a signing. And he said, I just, I figure out what we need and whatever it costs, it costs, and we move forward. I think we saw an example of that. I was stunned on the Pierre Ingvall deal personally because of what you just said. He's more of a role player. Why would you give a role player that's 27 years old that kind of term? Well, Lou felt like, you know, you never know because you don't know all the facts, but he obviously felt like he had to do it. He's, he's kind of rolling his team back, minus a few players with a full year of Bo Horvat. Didn't want to lose Mayfield. We knew that. Um, but the secret, you know, for the Islanders, in my opinion, is that Sorokin is absolutely stellar. I yeah. still don't think we give him enough credit. That was the one deal where I could look at and go, you know what? If you really watch him, he's the closest thing to Vasilevsky in the league, in my opinion. And that's no disrespect to Shesterkin or Hellebuck or some of these other guys that think they're right there for that role. But it's him, in my opinion. So wasn't as shocked by that, was shocked by the other some of the other moves they made. Uh, Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Sorokin, they're all Russian. I don't know. I mean, who's the best Canadian goaltender? Some might say it's Tristan Jari. You got a theory as to why it's countries other than Canada that seemingly have the top goalies in the NHL? You know, I I was pretty in tune with what Finland had done to kind of turn their goaltending program around for a while. Some of the changes they made at the youth level, a real concerted effort. I feel like Canada's tried to do that, and they have not produced results. I can't tell you why. I haven't spent enough time on it. Uh, the, the Russian side of things is interesting. There is a different way of training there. A lot less safe for the athletes, <laughs> as people might imagine. But, um, no, I can't put my, my finger on it. Canada is really down on the goaltending side. No disrespect to Tristan Jari, but, you know, there's some – we're talking about three world-class goaltenders that are better – by a lot than anybody that Canada has right now. Yeah, well, I mean, to think that there was a time we had Patrick Waugh and, you know, Martin Brodeur, and we're nowhere near that right now. Brian Lawton joining us for a while, Factor Desserts. Connor Brown, uh, hey, you got to use the mechanisms that you got to use, and you worry about next year and next year. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. When you're in the win mode, and we talk a lot about it here on this show, the Edmonton Oilers are clearly in win mode. So, yes, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. Um, I mean, should Edmonton, 
Did you get a handle on like Colorado did some interesting things, and and I, as you know, I like Chris McFarland. I knew he was going to become the GM in Colorado. I think he didn't give it enough. They won a cup, and I think he played a significant factor in helping them win a cup already. Um, frankly, I I loved what they did with Newhook. Like they decide, like you know, they got back a couple picks, and then they turned around and flipped one of those picks and. Ended up getting a pretty useful player from Tampa. They they got. I mean, I think the bet on Johansson. He's not overturned. That said, the term on Wood surprised me a little, but I love Miles Wood as a player. What did you think overall? The combination of moves that Colorado made. I really thought that Colorado was one of the winners through this period. I thought they jumped back up where they belong. They have a team that can support this. The Miles Wood deal. Yeah, at two and a half million, the risk with Miles is just staying healthy. Yep. Plays the game hard, but whether or not that's a great contract or an average contract, there's not a ton of risk in that. Ryan Johansson, that's that's risky. They're betting on the rest of their group to elevate him, to to pull him to a higher level than we'd seen. I think that's a good bet. I thought Ross Colton was you know genius to be able to flip Alex out to Buffalo and to get enough in return to be able to make that move. It makes him better now. Now, maybe down the road, Alex gets a new opportunity, doesn't have to see uh, maybe as many players as Colorado had that were ahead of him, and maybe his career takes off. But uh, it's hard to do what Colorado did with New New Hook generally. GMs don't like to do that because they don't want to be burned if he gets his career going. Um, but I thought that was a real strong move by them, and I still hope Newhook develops to be more than he has been. But for me, he's been a guy that looks like he's tracking in that high 20s to mid-30s uh, point range, and, and that's not really what he was drafted as. No. So that would be below below what you were hoping for there, so I thought it was a good move for them. All right, so Bowen Byram, uh, Colorado, and there was a belief that there might have been an offer sheet there, uh, and there's different ways to do things. Actually, since we got you on, and it's your final hit of the year, you got a D-man where you brokered a deal because you did you not tell a GM you were going to make an offer sheet if they didn't do the trade? Can we can we share that detail on the air? with? Well, it's, too, it's too late. You already did. I basically called him every day for like two weeks and said, <laughs> You, you, you got to get this guy signed or, you know, the ownership wants to make <laughs> a group two offer here. So this is your warning. You've got to get this guy signed. Yep. You know, I'm not looking to do an offer sheet, but I will if I have to. We really want the player. Go yeah. get him signed. What are you waiting for? It finally called me up one day and said, yeah, I just don't think it's going to work out. We're not going to pay him what he wants, and we will trade him to you. And it happened to be uh, Andre Mazaros after Ottawa had gone to the finals. And he yep. was a young player that we were targeting at that time. And, you know, our team was pretty well stocked with forwards. We hadn't drafted Victor Hedman yet, so that would start to change with him, obviously. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, that deal worked out. We, we ended up getting the player, not making a trade, not making a group two offer sheet. And uh, Andre played just okay for us. I thought he was going to hit a higher ceiling than a truth be told. And he ended up, I think, in Philly after. I, I think he was with the Sports Corporation. I don't know if he was with Jerry at that time or Rich. Uh, he might have been with Jerry. But 
uh, or maybe Cotton. He was with Rich. He was with Rich at that time. He was with Rich. Eh? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I bring this up because Bo and Byram, two years, three point eight five, and Evan Bouchard has superior numbers to Bo and Byram. What's a fair deal on a two-year deal for the Oilers? For I mean, they don't have the cap space to do longer than two. What's fair at two million, at two years? Do you think, Brian, for Evan Bouchard? Uh, I, I think if you were basing it off in a vacuum, just Bowen Byron, who you know he's had some injury problems, but he did score ten goals in forty-two games last year. Yes, and people forget that you know Evan has. It, you know, he's just coming off a red-hot streak. He should be feeling great about his career. He's going to explode. But you can't be too tainted by that in your analysis. And, you know, if he got slightly more than Bowen on a two-year deal, that would be really strong for him, in my opinion. I just don't know. You know, this would be a really tough one if you're an agent because – it's been a pretty downtrodden UFA period this year for the guys that were hoping to hit grand slams. There were plenty of guys that got great contracts. Uh, Kalorn comes to mind, JT Comfer, Evan Rodriguez, I thought, got a you know pretty strong for him. But not like we've seen in the past. This isn't Milan Luchis getting you know the contract he got or Franz Nielsen or the other four guys that summer that got monstrous yeah, yeah. contracts. So, you know, in Evan's case, I think if he got anything close to four on a couple-year deal, that would be, if I were the agent, I would think that is really, really strong for my client. If I couldn't live with that, I'd be pushing for the one-year deal. The Edmonton Oilers, everybody knows what their cap situation is, so, you know, it's really out of their hands unless they want to completely rework their team. There's just not a lot more there. Those would be incredibly... Yeah. The market would look at those deals and say those are great deals for Evan. Uh, Dave Gagne, I believe, is the agent on that yes. one. They would say those are really strong deals. There's no. It's just sometimes it's circumstantial. You have to live to fight another day. Uh, the, the cap's going to go up by $4 million. A part of me could easily make an argument that, hey, go back in there. You're going to play all the time. You're on one of the best teams in the league with the best power play historically. One of the greatest as they continue to build that out uh why wouldn't you go on a uh, go back at least on a one or two year deal blow the lights out and he would reach higher heights than if he signed a deal this year in my opinion brian we've loved having you on for the last 12 weeks thanks for joining us here in Oilers now always my pleasure bob thank you talk to you Soon. That's Brian Lawton for our friends at Wild Factor Desserts. Guests and orders now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Tepon Yaki Steak Restaurant. You can book your celebration for the census at jvedmonton.ca. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We'll marry the breaks. We'll get into a global news weather traffic update. Randy Gilbert.